0: slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host Andy Storch and we're doing something a little bit different today. Instead of sharing an interview that I conducted for this podcast with one of my guests, I'm sharing an interview with you that I did on another podcast called Transform Your Workplace hosted by my friend Brandon Laws. And it's a great podcast for anybody who works in HR or is interested in transforming the workplace and I was honored and really excited when Brandon invited me to come on to his show to share content about my book, "Owning your own your career, own your life, as well as what I'm doing in the talent development world. And I thought it was a great interview, and he's got a great show, and I wanted to share it with you. Uh, but I'm releasing it outside of our normal cadence of our talent development hot seat podcast interviews that come out every Tuesday. wanted to share that with you on a different day and give you an option to listen to it uh, and let me know what you think. Uh, In this interview, we talk all about my book, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, as well as how we can improve career development in the workplace and what's going on in talent development as well. Again, the podcast this came from is called Transform Your Workplace, hosted by Brandon Laws. And now here is Brandon.
1: Hey, it's Brandon. Okay, I'm really excited for today's episode. Uh, You're going to love it. Uh, Andy Storch, he is the author of the brand new book, own your career, own your life, stop drifting and take control of your future. And I know this topic is a little different. We don't do a lot of self help on here, but I think it's really important not only to develop us individually and learn and grow and take ownership of our careers and, and all that, but I think because a lot of us are people leaders, this is type of content is great to, to either coach or mentor other people and owning their careers and growing and developing. So I love to mix up these topics. Um, you're going to love this. Andy is a fantastic human being. He's built a great community. So make sure to follow him on LinkedIn, follow him on Instagram. He's got a great Following there. He puts out a lot of great stuff into the universe, and I just appreciate him for his positivity and uh, just he's a great role model. So you're going to love what he has to say. Enjoy the episode. I'll talk to you next week. Andy, it is a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on, man.
0: Brandon, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I feel like this has been a long time coming since you and I first connected. And I cannot wait to uh, have this conversation with you.
1: Yeah, when we first connected, you were in the middle of writing your book. And now you're done. So your book is Own Your Career, Own Your Life, Stop Drifting and Take Control of Your Future. And one of the first things that stuck out to me in reading your book was that you wanted to be a professional baseball player. That was your dream growing up. Where'd that come from?
0: That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, just grew up being really big into sports, uh, baseball and college football, especially. And um, I just watched baseball every day. I grew up in Orlando, Florida. And of course, we didn't have any baseball teams down here back then. So I was a big Cubs fan because the Cubs and the Braves were on TV every day. The Cubs were on WGN the superstation and uh, the Braves were on TBS and of course you grew up a Braves fan right
1: grew up a Braves fan and also wanted to be a professional baseball player so that's why that that segment in your book just stuck out to me and I thought it really set the stage for two like owning your career owning your life because I think you even said your dream was kind of cut short when you realized eh, I'm not going to work very hard i was just going through the motions you were just
0: doing the bare minimum i think right yeah exactly i mean we many people have we we have dreams and things that we may want to achieve or may want to be and and uh you know by the way spoiler alert uh, you and I are neither of us are professional baseball players right now no uh, not even close and uh i think i've mentioned in the book that like It's never too late to chase down your dreams with some exceptions. I'm 40 years old. There's pretty much zero chance that I will be a professional baseball player. And
1: I'm 35 and 5'10. And I don't think many
0: 5'10 pitchers are making it to the
1: big leagues.
0: (laughs) But going back to Little League Baseball, when that was my dream, I was, you know, I was practicing when the coach said to practice, I was going to the games, but I really wasn't that good. And if I truly wanted, truly desired that dream, that goal, I would have put more of a plan in place and, you know, gone to my parents, gone to the coach and said, hey, what do I need to improve? This is my goal. How do I get there? But that never really happened. And I ended up quitting, I think, at the age of 15 when I got to high school. And, you know, there's no nothing wrong with that, right? A lot of kids go through that the same way. But I thought that that would be a good way to kind of symbolize how we often approach things in life. And the people that we admire that go out and achieve their goals usually are taking risks and they're putting more thought into their goals and their plans and taking consistent action to go out and achieve those things. Yeah. Well, you would
1: wrote that uh, a lot of employees, when they're, search- they're searching for new jobs, but they're not even giving their current employer or career a fair shot before they just try to move on. So maybe elaborate on that point. What could they do instead?
0: Yeah. I mean, Brandon, you've worked a lot in HR. A lot of your audience worked in HR. They've probably seen this over and over again. And, um, I work a lot in the talent development space and I've had this conversation with so many L and D leaders who say, you know, especially for early career professionals, the attrition rate is so high at the two to three year mark because people get into a job and then they get a little bit bored or they get a little bit frustrated. And instead of having that conversation with their manager, or taking the initiative to go and figure out what would make this job more challenging or exciting or what other opportunities are inside my company, they just think, well, I'm unhappy, so I'm going to make a change, right? And it's so easy now to go out and look for other jobs on LinkedIn and social media and other ways that people are quick to jump. And then I think they're just starting the, you know, the cycle all over again, and then what are they yeah. going to do a couple years later I want employees to really think about that and ask the right questions. Why are you maybe unhappy or bored or um, what is missing? And sometimes for people, it could just be the commute. It could be their manager. It could be they just want more challenge. They want more opportunities, more learning opportunities. Um, they want to just try you know, spend their time a little bit differently at work. And it could be as simple as having that conversation or maybe even networking and looking for different opportunities inside their organization. A lot of people just aren't taking the initiative to do that.
1: Yeah, and that brings us to this this whole point of owning your career, right? For one, what does owning your career really mean in your mind?
0: And what, what should people be doing? The idea, and, and I have been working in corporate consulting for nearly a decade, and I've worked with executives and managers um, from different companies, industries all over the world. Uh, it's really been a, a privilege, and it's been so fun. And I've noticed just a lot of people really drifting in their careers they're operating in, reaction mode, um, waiting for their boss, their manager, or colleagues, someone else to tell them what to do, maybe even their parents to tell them what to do or what their next move should be, right? Um, You know those people. And uh, I want people to take more ownership. And taking ownership means taking full responsibility. It means taking initiative. It means treating your career like it's your business. And so you're not waiting for other people. And when things happen, you're not saying, oh, well, I can't do this or I can't do that because of this or other, taking full responsibility and saying, okay, I'm responsible for my career. Nobody cares more about my career than I do. So I'm going to find a way to be more engaged, to find more fulfilling work, to do the thing that I love to do. If I like the work I'm doing and I want to get promoted, I'm going to initiate that conversation. I'm not going to wait for my busy manager who is, you know, seemingly always unavailable or just doesn't really take the time to have these coaching conversations to initiate that conversation and ask if we can sit down and talk about where I want to go. And that's the other thing I heard with, you know, talking with all these talent development professionals that... A lot of times, you know, the employees aren't getting what they need. Well, the managers are frustrated too, because they don't know what their employees want. And so they can't give them, they feel like they can't give them the right coaching or
1: advice. Sounds like a lack of communication between those two parties.
0: Exactly. It's really a sitting down and having the conversation. I want people to be willing to take more initiative. And it's not always easy. I've had those tough managers over the years. Um, and sometimes I brought up the conversation and said, I'd like to do something different. And I got shot down. But at least I had that conversation. I tried. And then when I saw that it wasn't going to work out, then I moved on and went found another job.
1: I think the, the challenge for a lot of employees is that they don't know what they want necessarily. They've been probably, as you say, drifting through life without really knowing what they want they're just, other people are dictating what they need to do, especially at work and, and a lot of times in life too. Um, I mean, do you see that a lot with, with a oh, lot of yeah. people that just sort of look to other people for the answers?
0: Oh, definitely. And, and it's, and we, a lot of us start out that way, right? We choose our majors in college because our parents tell us that's the, that's the thing we need to do or a friend recommends it. I mean, that's, that's what I did. And that's what a lot of people do. And then we get our first job accidentally, you know, because somebody recommends it or whatever that, you know, that stuff happens. So there's no judgment for that. This is about, uh, starting to really reflect and think about where you want to go with your career now. And that's a lot of, it it takes a lot of self-reflection, um, thinking about, you know, who you are, what you enjoy doing, your strengths, your weaknesses, your passion, your purpose, your values, what you care about, your priorities, where and how you want to spend your time, um, getting some suggestions and feedback from people around you, colleagues, friends, maybe a manager, maybe family, um, and other people, and putting that all together and then starting to design a career and a life that you want, which means you know, setting a vision for where you wanna go. And it doesn't have to be exact. It doesn't have to be concrete. It can change over time. It almost always does. But setting that vision for where you wanna go and having that vision can help really guide you when those difficult opportunities or challenges or situations come up and you have to make a decision, then you at least kind of know where you're going and it's easier to make that decision. And then it's things like connecting to your purpose, understanding your values, um, making a plan, setting goals, and then taking action on those goals and just making progress and moving in a certain direction with intention. I think sets people apart from most of the rest.
1: Yeah, I think that's the key word is intention. Mm-hmm. There's a this work is intentional, and I think it's why a lot of people don't do it. It's hard work to map out your goals and understand what your purpose is, and I think this is why a lot of people don't do it. But the the alternative is this, and this punched me right in the stomach. So you shared a little uh, quote from a book: "Top five regrets of the mm. dying." The number one regret that you wrote in the book was that people say, you know, I don't know if they're dying or about to die or they're just at the end of the life. Um, and they say, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected. Of me. Mm, huge, isn't it? That is, it's true. When I mean, we drift through life, either working for somebody else. And there's nothing wrong with that. We're, we're working for somebody else, but they dictate everything that we're doing. Maybe even at home, our family members are dictating what we do and the decisions we make. And there's a lot of intention that we should be taken in, into our lives to, to gain control.
0: Yeah, that, that is a big one. And that came from real data from a woman who interviewed a bunch of people on their deathbeds. Um, the other quote that, that always gives me chills, I think I put in there too, that I first heard from my friend Dominic Cortuccio, he said that the definition of hell is reaching the end of your life and meeting the man or the woman that you could have become Ooh. if you had fulfilled your true potential, if you had gone for it, right, and, and tried to do the things that you wanted to do. Um, wow. That one always gets me, too. And it, that, that gave me, right? chills. It's, 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 it's interesting. And I think about that every time I'm thinking about taking a chance or, or trying something new. And it, these don't have to be big things. It's just about living life true to yourself. And that also might be, by the way, not even necessarily making big changes to the things you're doing in your career. It could just be a simple mindset shift from the victim mindset of, I'm waiting for people to tell me what to do. I can't make any changes. I have to go to this job to one of ownership, which is I'm choosing to do this and here's why, right? I'm choosing to go to this job because, it pays me enough money to provide for my family. And what I really care about is, you know, being able to have a nice house and a car and, and whatever it may be. But, you know, I think people people have more freedom than they give themselves credit for. And so many people think like, I have to do this, I have to do that. I, you know, I always ask people like, people tell me like, oh, I've got this long commute. Well, this is the old days before COVID. I've got this long commute I hate, or I have no time to do this or that. And I'll be like, why? Like, why? Why do you have to go to that job? Well, it's my job. But you don't have to, right? Nobody's making you go there. There's a reason why you show up every day. It's either because you like it or the money's better than anywhere else or you're just afraid to go try to do something else. And just be honest about your situation and why you're doing certain things. And then that can help guide you to, am I good with this or do I want to make some changes? And if so, why? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that, that point you just made about like the guide. I think like when you have values that are core to your your being or, or a documented purpose, I think it makes it a lot easier to make decisions, take action, align your entire work and personal life around those things. In your experience and talking with people, do people have documented purposes or value statements?
0: Uh, most people don't. And that's okay. It's hard. It's hard to do. Um, it's hard. I, yeah. I've done the work and um, I've been in a couple of workshops. I remember once I was at a conference and someone was giving a presentation on purpose and and then they said, "Does anybody here have a purpose they've written down?" And I looked around the room and I did, and I was like, uh, could I?" You did speak up? Oh no! Way. So I did, and everyone was like, "Wow, this guy has a purpose. That's amazing." Um, we and we might all have something deep down that we don't know, but I think it's I think it's it's useful to do the work. The values exercise is really cool, you know. And I've done this a few times and. Um, there's lots of these out there on the internet. You can go out and Google it and and find one. Um, the interesting thing you, you find out when you do values exercise is what you, what you truly care about and what you prioritize over other things. Right. So yeah, we all care about, you know, let's say we all care about making money and we care about family. Um, but which one's more important at the end of the day? Right. Or the classic example I think I gave in the book, uh, is socializing, and health and fitness, right? Yeah, both of those things are important, but when you get to the end of the workday and you're planning on going to the gym and your friends invite you to happy hour, what do you choose? And there's no wrong answer, but that actually informs what is more important to you. And when you know what's more important to you, you can be honest about that and it helps guide the decisions you make and even the you know the career that you choose
1: in, in going to some gyms I will say I think some people align fitness and social hour around the same yeah. thing I can't stand when people are just mingling around machines drives me crazy
0: I go to the YMCA which is such a community and, uh, there's like, it's, it's cool though, because you see people like their eighties that aren't even hardly working out anymore, but they just, oh, yeah. they're just there every day talking to each other. It's great. It is the best.
1: Uh, so what is your purpose since you, uh, you're not going to just skate oh. on through that. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to have to stand up just like you did yeah. in that, that one room and, and tell us what your purpose well, is. Uh,
0: Brandon, my life's purpose is to love and support my family to, um, Oh, you don't have to have it like memorized verbatim. My purpose is to love and support my family to continue to learn and grow on a regular basis to inspire um, thousands of people to live life more intentionally and to add value to the world.
1: And what's interesting about that is you're doing that. And I, I mean, I know you well enough from afar and in conversations I've had with you, you are doing that. And it comes through in everything that you do, your podcast, your book, your workshops, your... Um, Instagram, like I follow you religiously on Instagram. And I mean, you get a lot of inspirational stuff there, but like you're living that life and it is like having a purpose statement like that is a realignment, whether it's for you or just for other people too, to see like, wow, this guy, he's got his purpose and he's living it the way he intended.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I think it's important and I appreciate that. Um, and I try to be really authentic to that, including what I show off on social media. Uh, and I appreciate that. I follow you on Instagram as well. Uh, and I see some of your family life. Um, but I also I'm big on, you know, in the in the own your life section of the book, I talk about some added things that can help you achieve your goals. And I talk about using affirmations. And I recite my purpose every single morning, seven days a week, and it reminds me of what it is. And usually when I recite my purpose and my mission. Um, my mission, by the way, is to fulfill my true potential and inspire others to do the same. Um, when I cite my purpose and my mission and my goals, it reminds me every time of what those things are. And sometimes things stick out where I'm like, oh, I haven't been doing that or, you know, I haven't been living that way, or I haven't been, you know, making progress towards this goal, whatever it may be. So maybe I need to take some action on that. Um, and it's, you know, whether you recite them as affirmations or write them down daily or weekly, uh, you know, it's one thing to put down goals, but we've got to be able to check in with them on a regular basis to see, you know, am I living that? One of the reasons I got this book done was because I put down January 1st and I'm going to write and publish a book in 2020. And I recited it every day while I was working on it. And, you know, I got to October and I was like, okay, man, we got to get this book done. We, I said I was going to publish it this year. And so um, we published it on November 16th. And I'm happy to say that I achieved that goal. It got a little rushed at the end, probably because I wanted to do that. But, um, the, yeah. but the plan came together nicely and I was you know glad and I feel good that I got that done.
1: Yeah, it's amazing what you can do when you have you keep your goals in front of you. Like you got it done. And your launch has been outstanding. Like I just kind of been watching it, like the communication you've had, the amount of reviews you're getting, and I mean that's that's a really good book launch for I mean, I imagine you self-published it in a way. For an amateur self-publishing, right? No, it's it's a hell of a job. I mean, I, I I see a lot of authors maybe get five to 10 reviews at launch date
0: on Amazon. And you have like 90 the last time I yeah. saw. Well, it, it's it, incredible. I, I practiced what I preach in the book. So when in the book, I talk about in the middle section, preparing for the future and setting yourself up for success to achieve any goals that you want to achieve. Um, you've got to invest in learning, in continuous learning, in educating yourself on the things that you want to get to. So that could be reading books, listening to podcasts like this one, um, taking online courses, going to formal education, Uh, So when I went to publish the book, I went and took a course from a woman who has published over 50 books and learned everything I could about how to successfully publish a book, right? And then in the book, I also talk about once you do the learning, the importance of building a network and building a personal brand to help set yourself up for success. I've been working on those things for the last, you know, 15 years really. And they have helped me uh with this launch, you know, having that big network, having friends everywhere who were excited to support me because I've been supporting them, giving to them as much as possible over the last decade or more. Um it was really cool to see people, you know, jumping up to say, "Oh yeah, I'd love to support you and buying the book and and read leaving reviews and posting about it on social media." It's been awesome. It's really been Yeah. I'm just I'm so grateful for it. I almost like don't want to talk about it cuz I don't like want to seem like I'm bragging, but it I'm putting it into practice. And yeah, I want yeah, people to yeah. see that the, the value of building a network and giving to others is so powerful uh, in helping you achieve your own goals, whatever you're trying to do. I so agree with that. Uh,
1: there's a quote in your book, not from you, but from somebody else. Uh, Everyone has a plan
0: until they get punched in the mouth. That's right. Who's that quote from? So that quote is from uh, championship boxer, Mike Tyson, and <laughs> uh, controversial <laughs> championship boxer, Mike Tyson.
1: Right. What does that quote mean to you in, in context of this book?
0: Well, I love that quote. And by the way, I mean, I love the quote. I'm not necessarily endorsing the man. I put that quote once on LinkedIn and someone reached out to me and they're like, hey, you know, you shouldn't quote Mike Tyson because he like he bit somebody's ear off. Come on. Well, yeah, he was also uh, accused of rape and many other things. So yes, um, not endorsing the man, but endorsing. But the quote I love because We can spend all this time um, making a plan and creating a vision, which I do talk about in the beginning of the book, but things are always going to change, right? Stuff is going to come up. Your company is going to change strategies. Your boss is going to leave. You're going to get laid off. Um, A new opportunity is going to come along. Maybe a global pandemic is going to hit and completely shut industries down and change everything that we know about the working world like it did in 2020. Like You just can't predict everything that's coming. Uh, So you've got to be thinking about the future and doing the things that are going to help set you up for success and be willing and ready to pivot when things do come your way because it's not ever going to go perfectly. Yeah, and
1: I think that's why you're a huge proponent of continuous learning. Mm. And I think that the learning, the education, the ongoing, it will help you adapt to when plans go awry, a health crisis comes into our lap and we have to shift what we're doing. You're a huge proponent of it. What have you done to make sure that you're always making time for continuous learning?
0: Yeah. So uh, for me, it's it's definitely been really important and everybody does this in different ways. Um, for me, I'm a big reader of books. I, I love reading. So I make time every morning as part of my morning routine, um, usually reading for 15, 20 minutes in the morning, as well as making time for writing and reflection as well. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I host podcasts, hosting podcasts, by the way as I'm sure you can attest to allows for a ton of learning because I get to interview so many people and talk to so many people, whether I'm hosting or going on other podcasts and learn from them. Um, I also spend time on LinkedIn every day, you know, following experts and gurus and seeing what they're posting and talking about and learning from those people. Um, There's a lot of different little ways. And then of course, like I said, if I'm doing something big, I'm going to take a course and learn what I can. So the book I took a course um, from Honoré Corder who's published a ton of books. Um, in September, I hosted a virtual summit, a talent development virtual summit. And before I put that together, I you know, tracked down the guy, this guy named Mark Wade, who's hosted, I don't know, hundreds of virtual summits and created software for it and everything. And I bought his course and I took his three-day live. We did like a seven-day challenge thing and then a three-day virtual right. workshop I went through with him, learned everything I could about virtual summits. And then my assistant and I put it together and you know, by all accounts, it was pretty successful. We had nearly two thousand people register. We had, I think, what thirty speakers over five days, thirty-two speakers over five days, and um, it was a lot of fun. And it went really well because we had invested in that learning in that time to learn as much as we could before we went out there and did it. Now, that's really fascinating to me because I think
1: there's a couple points that you're making throughout your book that, like that that moment right there, like dovetailed into a couple different sections. So continuous learning. You did a crash course on, on virtual events like that, but also just the network. How would you've even known where to go without you know having maybe interviewed somebody on the podcast or being aware or being connected to somebody who's connected to somebody? Like you laid all that groundwork, yeah, down to be
0: successful in this moment, right? Yeah, very true. And you know that reminds me of another thing that I do to invest in continuous learning is which is I'm I'm always in mastermind groups. So you know, usually groups hosted by a coach who have other. Uh, like-minded individuals where we meet on a regular basis and um, have similar goals to grow a business or improve our life, whatever it may be. And that allows me to grow my network and I get exposure to more people, more things. You get recommendations for more stuff. So getting to Mark Wade, uh, who hosted the Virtual Summit, you know, has the Virtual Summit platform. I heard about him from my friend, Mike Kim, who uh, has a podcast on personal brands. I follow him and have become good friends with him through other friends. He recommended it. And then I heard other people had used it and recommended him, and so that was good enough for me. I started following him and checking it out, and you know, bought into the first course and then the next course. Um, you know, same with the the book publishing. Um, honore Cordor is the woman who runs the course. I first heard about her because she has partnered with Hal Elrod on the Miracle Morning series. I heard her on a podcast years ago talking about how everybody needs to write a book, and I thought one day I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to hire her, you know, to help me get it done. And when I finally had the idea a year ago uh, in November, 2019, I reached out to her and said, here's my idea. What do you think? And she said, that sounds like a good idea. You know, when are you going to come join my course? I'm like, cool. I'll (laughs) come join in in a few weeks. And by the way, I had already established a friendship with her and recommended other people into her course before I'd even taken it because I knew it was good. So I just knew that's where I needed to go. And I'm always trying to figure out, okay, what's the next thing? How much can I, you know, how can I learn and how can I learn from people who have done it before, right? Right. You know, when I, five years ago, I probably, I don't know if I knew any authors. You know, today I'm very lucky to have a network full of so many authors, friends who have written books, and I can call any of them and ask them questions. And I do, you know, how did you do this with your book? How did you get this part done? You know, as small as like, how did you get this on Amazon and get it approved or whatever it is? And that has helped me through the process, having that network.
1: Yeah. You, a little bit ago, you mentioned personal brand and you get a section in your book about this. I'm a huge proponent of a personal brand. I know you are too. Mm. I think for most people, though, when they think about a personal brand, they're like, ah, it's for sales and marketing people or entrepreneurs or famous people. I call BS on that completely. I know you do too. But Give me the argument for why everybody should be focused on a personal brand at some level.
0: Yeah, I know you definitely get this because I see you out there building yours, Brandon. Um, the argument is this, that whether you want to think about it or not, you already have a personal brand because a personal brand is simply your reputation in the marketplace, right? So how you show up in the world and what people think about you, what they say about you when you're not around, that's your personal brand, that's your reputation. So you, we can be intentional with that in how we show up at work, uh, how we interact with our colleagues, what kind of projects we take on, um, how you know friendly we are with people, how collaborative we are, uh, whether we reach out and network with people outside of our group, as well as how we show up on social media and in the you know the outside world outside of our companies, right? Do you post and comment on things on LinkedIn or Twitter uh, or other social media platforms? That all builds your personal brand and your reputation, and it can be really beneficial down the line when you are applying for the next job, right? And inside your company or outside of your company, let's say you're going for a job or a project inside your company, and there are other people up against you for that same job. If you have a reputation as someone who is eager, hardworking, fun to work with, collaborative, you know, versus another person who may be more experienced than you, but they're kind of grouchy and hard to get along with, Uh, you're going to have a better chance of getting that job, right? And as we move into more of, I think, a project-based, you know, gig-type economy down the line, that's going to become more and more important as people are vying for different projects. And the person with the better reputation, the better brand, is going to end up getting a lot of those projects. And the same thing when you're applying for external jobs. You know, I talked to some of my friends who are recruiters and said, hey, you know, when you go look at somebody's profile on LinkedIn, do you just look at their job history or do you look to see if they've posted or shared any content? And they say, oh yeah, we've definitely looked to see what they've shared. That's, That's essentially thought leadership, right? If you've been sharing articles or things related to HR or whatever it is, whatever, you know, function or industry you work in, that shows that you have some expertise, some thought leadership, or at least a desire to continuously learn and grow and get better and I think that can be an X factor for you when you go to apply for that next job.
1: Yeah. You know, like, even for people who are looking to make that leap from like maybe a manager level to like a leader inside the company, like the personal brand reinforces all of that. Like, if they're posting inspirational stuff, they're uh, saying something that's different, they're supportive of other people and they're doing all that publicly and in their own way on social media or networking events, things like that. It reinforces that decision for leaders to say, you know what, they, they belong in a leadership position. They're going to be a great leader for this company because we've seen them do it time and time again.
0: Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, showcasing how you may show up as a leader you know, what you believe when it comes to leadership or that you've been learning a lot about leadership. You know, you're sharing articles or things you've been reading about leadership and what it means to be a good leader. And and I think that starts with how you show up even as an individual contributor, because for me, and I've run a lot of leadership development workshops as well. And um, I've got a whole other book in my head, by the way, about leadership that I want to publish. In fact, I, I wrote the outline down before I published this book and, and I had to stop myself. I'm like, no, 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 you're not going to get Started on another book before you published this one. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But I think at its core, leaders enable people around them to get their jobs done or do their jobs better, right? So for a manager, it's your job to help your people get their jobs done and help the company, um, you know, execute on its strategy, its goals. And even if you're an individual contributor, if you are enabling people around you to get their jobs done, if you're helping them, then you are being a great leader. And if you start doing that as an IC or a frontline manager, you start to build that reputation of someone who makes everyone around them better. And who doesn't want to work with someone like that? Yeah, I want to get your reaction to something.
1: If I or somebody in inside of a company or in your personal life, they say, I don't have time for fill in the blank, uh, going to the gym, reading books. What's your reaction to that?
0: Oh man, you know, this is like such a, pet peeve for me. I'm going to get on my high horse uh, for a second here. Yeah. A lot of people say that all the time, right? That I don't have time to do, uh, to work on that project. I don't have time to do that extra work. I don't have time to go to the gym this is such a common one. I want people to be honest about how and where they're spending their time, right? Do you really not have time or are you prioritizing other things? Cause we talked about earlier, people have a lot more freedom than they think, or they give themselves credit for You get to choose how you spend your time, right? So how much you work, um, how much time you spend with your family, how much time you spend watching TV. And a lot of people spend way more time than they think watching TV, playing video games, scrolling through social media on their phone, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I do those things too, but it's being honest about how and where you're spending your time and then setting priorities to say, okay, well, I really want to make sure that I do invest in continuous learning and I do build a network and I do go to the gym. So I am going to build those things into my schedule and say that I am going to spend X number of hours per week on those things and hold myself accountable. Maybe get somebody else to hold you accountable. The problem is a lot of people are just not honest with themselves and others, about how they're spending their time. So, you know, I talk about this in the book that if you get honest, and this is a tough shift to make. Um, especially when you're honest with other people too, because it's not like the acceptable way to talk in our society. If someone says like, Hey, can you come to my party? Or I, you know, and you say, Oh, I can't make it. And the truth is not that you can't make it. It's I'm prioritizing something right. else over you. Right. So be honest, at least with yourself. I didn't go to the gym because I prioritized doing work over it. I didn't, um, you know, make it home for dinner with my spouse because I prioritized work or, um, maybe it's the other way around, you know, for me, mm. I got so into health and fitness for a long time that I actually would sacrifice getting client work done or, or sales work done or extra work done mm. so that I could go to the gym and it probably cost me money, but Oof. you know, I was honest, that was a higher priority for me. Right. And so that is what I was choosing at the time. So we all get to choose how we spend our time and it's based on our values and our priorities. <laughs> And when we're honest with ourselves, I think it helps us, you know, realize, um, where we're spending that time. And then you can start to make adjustments and say, if it is really important to me that I make it to the gym, then I am going to move some things around. Maybe I'm going to watch less Netflix, go to bed earlier, get up earlier, uh, to make sure I do that. Just like, you know, I wanted to write a book. It took a lot of time to write this book. I already was running a business, two podcasts, had a family. So where, you know, how do I make that happen? I prioritize it. And I set a goal and a habit to write every single morning. And so I wrote every morning between six and seven AM before the kids were up. And I got it done that way. Um, otherwise, you know, things just don't get done.
1: Yeah, but to a lot of people, you're probably an overnight success, right? Oh my god. They didn't see all the they didn't see all the work that you were putting in. You prioritized that over leisurely stuff that most people do.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I really haven't well, other than um uh, recently I watched the queen's gambit on it, That's before. a great show. By that's the way. a great show. Right. While I was, I like, I like chess too. So oh, I do, I do as well. I grew up playing chess. Um, but I really don't watch any TV. It's only because I had surgery recently and I was recovering and, and my wife's always trying to get me to watch something with her to relax a little bit. And I was like, Oh, I heard about this queen's gambit show. Let's watch that. So we, we went through it. But otherwise I don't watch much TV and and not, and I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody else, or that's better than anyone else, because I probably my relationship with my wife would be better if I would sit down on the couch and watch some TV with her sometimes. And again, that's a everything is a trade-off in life, whether we are working, working out, spending time with family, doing hobbies, watching TV. Um, we just have to be honest about how we're spending our time.
1: Yep. I got two more quick things for you and then I'll let you go because I know you, you got to run. Um, in your chapter about comparison, I thought this is like really relevant to the times right now because I think often we compare ourselves to other people, social media has given us that, (laughs) that thing where we can compare ourselves to how other people are doing. And I love what you said about success is not a zero sum game. There is an abundance of success available. So share what you mean by that statement and why it's so important for owning our life and career. Yeah.
0: Um, I wrote a chapter on comparison because I know so many people struggle with this because I have struggled with this a lot. Um, you know, comparison has been around for generations. It's not just social media's fault, right? We've always been able to look at our neighbors and see they have a nicer car or nicer house or it seems like their marriage is better or their kids are better behaved or whatever. We've always been comparing ourselves. But social media heightens that, right? Because we see when people are getting the promotion or on a trip or doing fun things and we're like, ah, oh, man, they're always doing fun stuff. And Especially
1: I'm the trips during like the health crisis when everybody's like stuck in their house.
0: I'm like, God. It. How can like you just- be so brazen? And I'm here being safe, right? And with <laughs> you know your own value. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we, there, it's definitely heightened by. And one thing I always remind people is that you, you can't compare your whole life to someone else's highlight reel. And social media is a highlight reel. Like you see the great pictures from the trip, you don't see the fights that they were having, right, over where to go and and this and that. But the success thing is interesting too, because we're you know a lot of us are competitive. We're trying to achieve things. We see people um, achieving stuff. And, you know, I see people almost actively rooting against others because of that comparison thing. We've got to remember, like you said, Brandon, that success is unlimited. There is an abundant amount of success and money in the world. It's not going to run out and when someone else is successful, it doesn't really take anything away from you, with few exceptions, right? If you are going for a job at your at a company and you're you are competing against three other people and one of them gets it, you don't. Then yes, there's a direct you know competition there. But for most of the time, we're not actually competing with anybody. We're all in our own journey. And Brandon, if you um, find more success with your job, or let's say your podcast takes off, right, and has way more downloads than mine. That's not taking anything away from me or from mine, right? Mm. Um, in fact, it might create more opportunities. Yeah, there's a bigger market for you available. There's a bigger market, right? And that tells, okay, a lot of people are listening to HR podcasts. So there's an opportunity to to market in the HR space. But also, there's an opportunity for me to learn from you. So that's why I talk about when you find people that are really successful, instead of getting angry about it, choose to be inspired. You know, Brandon's achieving these great things with his podcast in the HR space I wonder what I can learn from him. You know, can I build a relationship and and even, you know, get him as a mentor or something like that so I can improve? And there are so many people out there doing great things that you may want to do. And instead of looking at them with disdain and be like, oh, I can never be like them or they're, oh, they're an overnight success or whatever, reach out, build a relationship and see what you can learn from them. And they may be able to help you um, besides, you never know what else is going on. They need need help with some things too. Okay, put a bow
1: on this for us. So, in in challenging times like like right now, what's one way, or maybe a couple ways, that somebody can own their career or life? Like something from your book or something that you just think about a lot. They're like, man, people would just do this one thing. They would just absolutely take control. What is that?
0: Um, the biggest thing is making that shift from a victim mindset to an ownership mindset, from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, um, which is one that, you know, I take take full responsibility for everything in life. Um, everything life in life happens for me instead of to me. Um, everything is an opportunity. Um, all challenges become opportunities. Right. Um, because you're, you cannot control everything that happens in life, but you can control your actions, how you react to things, your outlook, um, your mindset on stuff. And that is what's going to determine your happiness and your fulfillment in life. And there will be challenges that come up. Right. COVID completely destroyed my business. So at the beginning of the pandemic, my whole business was selling and running in person. Uh, learning and development workshops. I was running leadership development workshops. I was flying all around the country, and you know, COVID shut all of that down. I had to change everything, and um, but it allowed me to pivot and do different things, and also be home with my family every night. And I'll leave you with you know one more tip. This is from my book. That when challenging situations come up, I often recommend people ask three simple questions. Number one, what's great about this? Because there are almost always silver linings with every challenge that come our way. I've always loved asking people throughout the pandemic, you know, what are the silver linings? And oftentimes it's I've had more time for gardening or fitness or family um, that have been great. Uh, Number two question is what can I learn from this? So there's a lesson in almost everything, especially when we have a failure or mistake, what can we learn to improve for next time? And number three is what does this make possible? Because sometimes these challenges come up, maybe you've been laid off or furloughed or your job has changed, your company has taken your budget away, and it stinks. It's hard in the moment. But what does that make possible? Maybe there was something you were unhappy about with it in the past, and this creates a new opportunity for you to finally pursue that passion or that other career that you were thinking about. Um, Or maybe it allows you to try something that you wouldn't have done before if things had stayed the same. Um, you You think about it, so many great things have happened in life because of something that seemed bad in the moment that then led to that great thing. And I've just, I've got tons of examples from my own life. And I know other people do as well. So think about your mindset, how you're approaching things in life. Are you taking responsibility and ownership for everything that goes on? Are you taking the initiative? Are you seeing things as opportunities and choosing to believe that everything in life happens for you? And are you willing and able to turn those challenges that come up into opportunities?
1: Andy Storch. Your book is Own Your Career, Own Your Life, Stop Drifting and Take Control of Your Future. Man, it has been a pleasure to have you on this show. Um, Where can people learn more about you, what you're up to, or anything that you want to point
0: them to that would be be helpful in their journey? Brandon, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. The book, again, like you said, Own Your Career, Own Your Life, it is available on Amazon. I've also created a companion journal to go along with the book um, with all of the stuff we talked about, prompts for everything, so you can write all this stuff down as well as a 90-day guided with morning rituals and evening prompts so that you can track progress towards your goals that's been so helpful for me along my journey Um, that's available on amazon as well Um, i'm active on social media linkedin and instagram of course like we talked about i've got a couple podcasts and i also have a free report for your listeners if they're interested of the top five most common career mistakes that people make Um, i have asked this of tons of people i've surveyed my network and uh, heard from so many people about the biggest career mistakes they made. And I put it into a report of the top five and you can go get that at ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash mistakes. That's ownyourcareerownyourlife.com slash mistakes. Uh, just put in your email and you can download that report. i also get you on my email list for you know updates on cool things going on with the book and everything you've got going on. Uh, but that's the best place to go.
1: Thanks, Andy. I appreciate it, man.
0: For sure. Thanks for having me on.